Today's episode of Let's Talk is sponsored by Reform Theological Seminary's online learning program, RTS Global. Stick around to learn more. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the final, yes, I said final, episode of Let's Talk Season 2. I am Jackie Hill Perry, Jasmine and Melissa, and I have had fun, have enjoyed talking about applying biblical wisdom to everyday life, and we really do hope that you had fun too. The great thing about a podcast is that the episodes don't go away. They don't disappear. So if there are any that you have missed, you can go back and find them at tgc.org forward slash podcast. Therefore, no excuses. So today we're going to be talking about kind of an interesting topic to me, and it is lies women believe. Now, we're not saying that men don't believe these lies as well, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just generally what are some lies that we as women tend to believe and they can really affect how we live. So we have some different lies that we're going to talk about and we're going to kind of look at the lie, why we believe it, and then maybe open up to what are some truths that kind of combat that lie in our lives. So the first one I thought would be interesting to talk about, and I think this in our performance dominated society is just something that most of us struggle with is that I'm defined by what I do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we don't go around asking, you know, we, I mean, when we meet someone, you know, I'm like, Hey, Jasmine, my name's Melissa. What do you do for a living? Yep. You know, and it's just such an easy way we define people. It seems like we're in a a unique uh, season and it may not be unique where like, Instagram kind of creates this picture of to be like a woman in 2020, you need to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. You need to be just out here getting it. Your house is just like fire. Got you got an open floor plan. Like if you do have children, when you make lunches for them, like it it looks like, you know, you got sushi, Mm -hmm. you're not giving them no Lunchables Mm -hmm. or no sandwiches. Um, you, you have some type of online, bit like there's like, like you're just an all around really good businesswoman, wife and mother. And that defines you as being like special. Mm-hmm. But that's what I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I see too. Yeah. Um, I actually, another lie that we had written down was I should be able to do it all. And I, I feel like that one kind of mm. flows into this one as well. That's true. Just the thought of like. I have to be a good wife and a good mother and a good hustler and a good curator of my Instagram feed and mm. a good decorator and a good everything. And um, actually, last night, a friend of mine sent me a post on Instagram and it says, one time I was at a Q&A with Nora Roberts and someone asked her how to balance writing and kids. And she said that the key to juggling is to know that some of the balls you have in the air are made of plastic and some are made of glass. And I read that last night and I got like really emotional because I am so, I resonate so much with that idea of juggling and trying to keep everything aloft because I feel like my worth is in keeping everything aloft. And I love the idea that some balls, when you drop them, they bounce and you can pick them back up. And some balls, when you drop them, they break. And so my kids are non-negotiable. I am going to spend my time with them because someday they're going to be big and they're going to be gone and 
you know, there, there are certain immovable things in my life. Um, but cooking dinner every night, having a clean living room every single day, taking out the trash on garbage day every single time, <laughs> those, those are balls that bounce. That's right. And we can catch it next time. But I definitely have that vision in my mind often that I have to fight that we need to be able to do and be everything to everyone. Because really it is, it's like this addiction to achievement. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was reading Tim Keller's uh, Counterfeit Gods, and he uses a quote that says, achievement is the alcoholism of our time, Mm. you know, and I I think that is a thing. But I just always wonder, like, how are people interacting with this? Because I think what happens then if you just are a stay at home mother or not just single, just working a nine to five, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. doing regular, regular stuff, nothing really spectacular. Do you think that your work and your efforts and your ministry even are less than mm-hmm. because you don't seem to be like them? Does right. it make like, yeah. Cause I'm on the side where I could be looked at as a overachiever too. Right. And so mm-hmm. I know I could possibly be, adding to the frustration and the insecurity and I wouldn't want to be yeah um but I just I just yeah I just wonder how that makes women feel because truth be told just because somebody is doing a whole lot doesn't mean they're in the will of God Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that their their work is unimportant but it doesn't also mean that your work is not as important Mm -hmm. you know like all of our work as if we do it as unto the Lord is good yeah (laughs) so yeah. I mean, when there's, there comes a time, too, when you're trying to be honest about the fact that you do have struggles and your life isn't as curated as it looks. But then even that is a type of mom. That's the hot mess mom mm. that gets attention because she That's shows true. you a picture of her messy countertop or her. Like, she's honest. Like she wants some rosé at three o'clock in the afternoon. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like. <laughs> And that's hard because, like, I don't relate to the mom that has everything all put together. But the hot mess mom, I'm like, to me, I'm literally when I'm saying I had an I exploded at my children today and I feel really bad about myself. I'm not saying it to get likes or followers or whatever. I'm just saying it so people know that I put on Instagram the things that matter to me. And sometimes those things look really well curated, but they're not. Life is real. Mm -hmm. But then it's hard because it feels like you have to be so careful that you don't seem to be trying like giving yeah. glorifying the image of the hot mess mom yeah yeah, yeah. it goes either way it does yes yeah. yes yeah it goes either way so how do we then obviously we want to root our identity in christ you know and not what we do mm-hmm. um, or even what we do for the lord because mm-hmm. sometimes it's these aren't bad things yeah. they're all good things they are. um and i know for me it's that constant battle of oh what I do is just simply what God is doing. When I really believe mm-hmm. it's what God's doing mm-hmm. in me, mm-hmm. well, then it's it's much more freeing. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what I would say. I remember um, Elizabeth Elliot, when she was back working on translation, she worked for a full year translating um, into a certain language, an Indian language. Um, and she worked this whole year, and this is before computers, so there was no save drive. It got put in a suitcase on top of a truck and all of the translation work was lost. Her year's work was just Mm -mm, gone. mm -mm, mm -mm. And that would be... She needed a floppy disk. I know. I know. Such a death to think, 
all those mornings I got up and wrote, you know, yeah. we all write. Can you imagine it just all being gone? Mm-hmm. And so it made me really think, mm. am I really doing it for the Lord? Like, can I hold what I do so loosely mm-hmm. that if this year's labors just got lost, yeah. I'd be able to say, I did it for you, Lord. Mm-hmm. You're, he, he bears the fruit. That's strong. I just do the work yeah. in and, some ways and trust him with the results. And I think we need to... to to get underneath what is what what is the identity I'm attaching to myself in light of what I've done and what is it that I'm trying to get out of projecting this identity mm-hmm. right so if in trying to project this like kind of perfection achievement oriented self what do I want people to think about me is it that I'm important that I'm valuable that I'm special, that I'm better. And it's like, you could have value and worth and importance without that because God has already given it to you. Mm-hmm. You got that when you were born mm-hmm. as an image bearer. You have value, you do have worth, you are already loved and affirmed. You have the affection of God in Christ. And so I think that should then free you up from identifying yourself in what you do, because what you do will let you down. And so if what you do governs your identity, and God forbid you age, God forbid you lose your job. Mm-hmm. God forbid circumstances change. Now you've lost your identity because it was placed in something yes. that wasn't eternal. Yes. And so we have to put it back in Christ um, so that we can be sane. Yeah. That's that's so good because if it's in him, it can't be lost. Like mm-hmm. if it's in these eternal truths that I'm a child of God. You are I'm secure. A saint yep. that doesn't mm-hmm. get lost. Yeah that I'm a servant of the most high God. Like when, if I keep those as my identity markers, because even if I am incapacitated, mm-hmm. I can serve the church by praying for the church. Yep. Like if I, if I really am going into it, what is your will for me? Oh Lord, yeah. whatever stage of life we're in, there's still a role of service. Mm-hmm. I felt this probably the most as a young mom, you know, when you're in days and days of feeding, mm-hmm changing diapers cleaning up dishes that Tell never seem to <laughs> preach my life <laughs> you know and it, it's very unseen labor and if i was just basing my life on what i'm doing that seems to produce results yeah. i would have felt like a complete failure For sure and instead it was like if i do this unto the lord that's why it matters yeah. if i'm working heartily for the lord my work has value mm-hmm. then it's like oh okay yeah. this this child rearing thing actually has amazing value whether you have a successful day or not yeah like it's true regardless because yeah. the truth isn't found in you and your effort the truth is rooted in who god already is that's right that's right and mm-hmm. so it changes it changes how we work a little bit. I think mm-hmm. we can deal with, I would say I can deal with failure better and success better. That's true. Mm-hmm. And so failure, I can say, well, the Lord didn't want it to bear that fruit. Mm-hmm. Now it's different if I did something wrong. I'm not saying, I'm talking about if a like ministry thing we do or yeah. something, it's just not that successful, but we did, we worked heartily for the Lord mm-hmm. and it just wasn't successful. I can say, well, Lord, this is your will. Mm-hmm. But if it's also really, really successful, I can be like, well, only you did that. Yeah. You know, and so it does keep us humble before the Lord in our success or in our failure when we just say, I'm working for you. Yeah. You bear the fruit. I'm just here mm-hmm. as your servant. That's good.
another one that we talked about was the lie that we have to be married and have kids in order to be valid is the word that I want to use because I have a lot of single friends who are very happy being single, are very fulfilled being single, but don't feel heard or acknowledged um, in the church and in everyday life. And I know for me, when I got married, I did feel like a level up. Oh, people are taking me more seriously now. Mm-hmm. When And then when I had kids, I felt another one. And so I know that their feelings are not, they're not making it up, mm-hmm. right? So um, let's talk a little bit about that. How do you think that we enforce that lie? And how do you think that we can combat that lie? Because I know a lot of people had asked us to talk about singleness and all of us were hesitant to talk about singleness because we're all married mm-hmm. and we all got married relatively Pretty young. young. Yeah. Um, so we didn't want to be the three ladies who got married before 25 and be like, all right, guys, <laughs> here's what we got to say about singleness. Right, right. But we do want to um, lend validity and dignity to the status of singleness. Yeah, I think it's really a shame because what Paul talks about singleness is is actually with with great praise for it. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he says, well, I mean, I guess if you're going to burn, get married <laughs> type thing. But I wish you'd remain as I am. Yeah, First Corinthians 7, 6. Yeah, say what seven. it says. It says, now as a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were as myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one kind to one another, to the unmarried and the widows. I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. Yeah. But if they can't exercise self-control. Then. Yeah, and I think there's kingdom fruitfulness that can happen in singleness that we as the church should be encouraging and saying we need you mm-hmm. in ways um, that maybe we don't well enough. Um, and I, I would say part of it is making sure as married people, we are engaged with people who are in different seasons of life mm-hmm. than our own. And, and truthfully, I would say that's been such a blessing to me um, to have people in different stages of life. Because to be quite honest, when I was in the young mom stage, sometimes I wanted to talk to someone who was not discussing potty training. Yes. Yes. Uh, they, she, yeah, my, my good friend Angela was a gift to me in that stage. Yes. She was in seminary, and mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, you're talking about interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. All my friends, all we talk about is formula and pacifiers and where you got your crib, and I'm just tired of talking about mm-hmm. that. And so I really hope that the church can grow to be a place where singles are engrafted into family, like that the church should be the primary family in some ways and that yeah it's made up of smaller biological families but that it really would operate more as a family and that we would see our single brothers and sisters as vital parts of our community rather than oh well when you get married you'll be part yeah Yeah, you'll be you'll be a real grown-up then yeah but right now you're not complete yeah i think one it's a it's a different angle of the same conversation that um those people who have come from the lbgtq community and are now in christ yet still have same-sex desires like me um i think this conversation hits different Mm. because marriage is often presented as a kind of like gospel like Mm. this is how one you change Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know this is how you're made straight but two this is how we can trust you 
you know, mm, because true. now we can trust you to talk to our youth and mm-hmm. be in our ministries because you have a spouse where it's like, man, why wasn't it good enough that the Holy Spirit had filled me and that there I was bearing fruit and that you saw that one of the fruits of the spirit I had been walking in was self-control. Like, why is it that I was such a liability while single, but now I'm trustworthy while married? And so that's really one of the, I think, problematic ways Mm -hmm. (laughs) that the church handles this whole marriage singleness thing is that we really do think that marriage is a kind of regeneration uh, for some people. And it's not, marriage is not the Holy Spirit. The distrust of single women in general in the church too. Just like, you know, oh, you have a single friend, like you're okay with her being around your husband because you know, she's true. single. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but she's walking with God, right? Mm-hmm. And then affairs can happen with married people too, mm-hmm. right? It, I, there, There is a lot of just mistrust of the sexuality of singles. And I think it's just not talked about enough. Another thing I get asked all the time, I don't know how often you guys get asked this, but I get asked all the time, how can I as a single person prepare for marriage? How can I prepare myself for marriage? How did you get ready for marriage? And I just like, I prepared in all the wrong ways. I thought that praying for marriage meant learning how to cook mm-hmm. and learning how to clean my house and learning how to submit to my husband, even though I didn't know who, who my husband was mm-hmm. and what I was gonna be submitting to. But like, I mistook having a submissive personality for being submissive to my future husband. Anyway, in hindsight, at the age of 30, looking back, and looking into the lives of all of my single friends at this, who are at this age, I am so, I don't wanna say envious because it's a sin, right? But I'm just like, <laughs> you, are, you know who you are in a way that I had to find out in marriage. And part of that is beautiful because we're growing together. Mm-hmm. A part of that's just hard. Mm. I wish I would have invested more in myself as a single person, I wish I would have invested, I wish I would have gone to therapy then. I wish I would have had mentors who were focusing on me as a person and not me as a potential wife and mother. Mm. Um, There were so many sin issues that people never addressed in my life because I was looked at as a marriage prospect and not as a mature adult Christian in need of just accountability and community. And so definitely, um, for women who are still single, there's an opportunity there to do some work in searching that when you get married, it's just, you have another person mm. to consider always, mm-hmm. all the time for the rest of your life, <laughs> every moment. And part of that is super romantic. We already know Jasmine loves romantic comedies. I, I love you. I've always loved you. It's my thing. It is my jam. <laughs> that said, it comes with its burdens. Yeah. That As I look Paul in, said. yes, I look at my single friends. Uh, I have a, fr- a particular friend I'm thinking about who's getting her PhD, 28, getting ready to get married, and just has all this stuff ahead of her that I just, my life is different. My life just took a different turn. It took a different path, and I'm grateful for it. But there's some goodness in her life that she would not have been able to reap and understand had she had the vision that the only way to get married, the only way to gain validity and maturity is through marriage. Yeah. So I guess the truth then is, that both seasons, whether whether you are married or whether you are single, uh, both are good, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's how we kill the lie that I have to be married to be, mm-hmm. you know, validated or I have to be married to be happy or I have to be married to have joy. It's like, no, mm-hmm. you, you can have that in singleness and in marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However God decides to, 
you know, lead your life, whichever mm-hmm. direction you end up in, both are good. Yeah, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned mm-hmm. to him and to which God has called him. Absolutely. And I actually think that is going to, I mean, is going to fuel contentment. Yeah. Like saying, the Lord's put me here. Mm-hmm. And so to me, the biggest way to prepare for marriage or if you're married, the biggest way to prepare in that life, if you're single or married, is to actually walk with the Lord in those. Mm. Like, I mean, to me, that's the only way we're going to be grounded in either because you can be just as discontent married. I sit down oh, yeah. with so oh. many married couples. And I, I mean, I had one one lady look at me and say, I'm so jealous of my single friends. They still have hope because she was just so her marriage to her was hopeless Mm -hmm. and so she looked at a single woman and said well you might still find someone Mm -hmm. i'm now stuck in this marriage and so i I think it's i think it's always helpful to i i try to look at each person in the church as i only know the parts of their story that they have let me know Mm -hmm. Everybody is carrying around a lot of hurts and hard things. It's so easy for me, you know, to look at the person in the pew before me. And I remember one time seeing this couple and he puts his arm around his wife and they look so perfectly happy, you know, and I don't really know what their morning looked like. They could have had a horrible fight Mm -hmm. on the way to church. And the reason he's doing that now is kind of the apology. (laughs) But, you know, we don't we don't know. We don't know other people's stories. And I think actually trusting the Lord with my story rather than worrying about uh, other people's stories mm-hmm. is one of the ways we're prepared for whatever season of life yeah. we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, I think it's tough no matter where we are, we can think the church doesn't care about my season, mm-hmm. but I think all of us have to give each other, I guess, some grace on knowing we don't know what somebody else's season because some people are really content in singleness and some people are really discontent marriage and vice versa. Wow. Which is, I think one of the reasons why we, we didn't do a whole episode on it. Mm. Um, and, and which I think is important to say, it's not because we don't care about singleness. Mm-hmm. or think it's an important topic, but there's been enough talk about singleness without singles in the room. Mm. Yeah. Like we don't need to have yet another conversation because all we can talk about is our experience and we're a little bit removed. Yeah. from that experience and so it's out of respect not out of lack of care absolutely you that's said a good that point. really well jasmine mm-hmm. thank you mm-hmm. hey let's talk listeners my name is melissa krueger and i'm so excited to share with you about our sponsor for this season um, reform theological seminary i have loved being a part of the community there for the past 20 years with my husband mike krueger he's the president at rts charlotte and we love getting to be part of all that's going on there um they have a lot of different degree programs jackie you're gonna be a student sure in am the spring mm-hmm. can you tell us anything about the degree programs well you know rts offers uh three masters of arts degree programs and they are available a hundred percent online these degrees are perfect i think for anyone uh who wants to just pursue full-time vocational ministry interested in phd work the real smart people or enhancing any of their gifts through theological education and Jasmine, your husband's also at RTS. He is. He's the vice president of communications at RTS. And a cool fact about us is that we met at an RTS-sponsored booth at the Gospel Coalition Conference. So you can find love at RTS? You can find love at RTS in TGC. 
<laughs> if you would like to join the online degree program, which granted is probably less of a chance to find love there, you can study at your own pace, attend virtual classes, and you have regular interactions with your professors and teacher's assistants. Overall, you can just study in a way that suits you best. And if you want to find out more about the RTS uh, Global Degree Program, you can go to rts.edu forward slash online. I think another lie that can sometimes come up in the church um, or in our lives is that we as women don't need theology. Mm. That that is kind of a male thing Mm -hmm. and that why do we need that? What difference does it make in my life? Mm. And so how have you seen that lie in the church and how do you combat it? I literally have a story of when I was... 16 somebody in the church told me that I read too many books and that it was going to be hard for me to find a husband that I could submit to because I was going to have too many well-developed opinions wow mm-hmm. that's a mouthful to my face sounds like a serpent yep yep they were like you're just your opinions are going to be too solid yeah there'll be nothing left for your husband to mold yeah I mean I, I think that's that's <laughs> silly um, yes. And it's it's silly because theology is the, the study of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we're all called to study God, <laughs> to know God, to love God. God has given women and men brains, um, adequate brains to mm. be able to uh, learn about him, retain this information and communicate it if need be. And there is a need be <laughs> because yes. the world needs to know about God, I think it's very simple. I don't, I don't know what it is, what, what the powers that be uh, seek to gain by undermining women's ability, or um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why this is a. I do know why this is a thing. Yeah, I think it's a fear trying to draw what's perceived as healthy boundaries in the church. We see in the word and people are going to be on different sides of the spectrum about women teaching, women preaching, women doing X, Y, Z. But because of those different sides of the spectrum, I think we can sometimes overreach just to make perfectly sure that we're within bounds. So instead of saying, okay, how can women show their show themselves approved at church? Where can they serve? What can they do? We focus really heavily on what they can't do in order to place safeguards in place. Hmm. I think one um, observation I've made, I don't think this is as as obvious as saying, hey, uh, you should know all of that. But even just if you take a survey of many of the really popular books, Bible studies, and conference themes, uh, many of them can lean very topical and topical is not a problem topical is okay there is a there's like a the time and the space for topical but it's there's like this like easiness about some of the 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 ways in which we educate women about the bible even from women and sometimes i've sat back and asked the question of is it because you think that women don't want more heavy theological Mm -hmm. books or you you don't think that women could handle it because they can and they do want it and they need to like we we don't need another conversation 
about like the Psalms and, and we, but if we do do that, let's go deep. Like we don't have to appeal to our emotions to make it a satisfying experience. Like we can, we can get into the Hebrew and that's a, that's a, that can be fun. Well, you know what I'm saying? and the reality is life will expose your theology. Mm. We all have a theology. And so we all, cause all that means is the study of God. Mm-hmm. So we all have a view of God and it's either a good one or a bad one. Yeah. And the reality is when life intersects our wrong view of God, we're going to start having serious problems with God. Yeah. Because if we have a view of God that says, well, if I obey you, then you're going to bless me. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a common lie that we can fall into. Well, the reality is the most obedient person who ever lived was Christ mm-hmm. and he was killed on a cross. Mm. I mean, you know, so we have to look at what the scriptures teach and how they show what what is actually true rather than sometimes I think we make a promise to ourselves that's mm-hmm. not in scripture and we get upset when God doesn't fulfill the promise that he never made to us, mm-hmm. which is you're going to have an easy life as a Christian. He does say that in his presence is fullness of joy. He does say, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. But that doesn't mean you get everything you want. It doesn't mean your life always looks a certain way. And so to me, it is a terrifying thing not to study who God is. Oh, yeah. Because you will find yourself in places of sorrow upon sorrow because this world is hard. And if we don't have a theology, a understanding of suffering and of what God's doing in this world, it makes the suffering that much harder, Mm -hmm. you know, because then I'm wrestling with the very person who can give me comfort and I can't get the comfort from him because I'm mad at him for something that he never promised. Mm -hmm. And so I, I guess to me, it is so dangerous for women not to be theologians. Absolutely. <laughs> it's not just a lie. It's like a pit we may fall into yeah, of, that is incredibly dangerous. Yeah. And to know that, how do I say this kindly? That you can be a theologian for your own intimate walk with God, not just to be a teacher of your children. Because I've seen that too, where it's like, let me equip you and let me educate you with theology because you disciple your children. Mm. Yes, I need to know so that I can lead my children in the right way. But why? Why is it always limited to my service to my household and not just the equipping mm-hmm. that I need within myself oh, yeah. to be able to know yeah. and love Jesus, or to talk to my neighbors, or to talk to my students in my job? Like, why does it always have to be mm-hmm. attached to my duties, or that you say that I have as a woman? Yeah. Oh man, that's true. I hear that a lot because even the message that you know the the two combating messages that I received from some of my little homeschool subculture growing up was like, don't learn too much because you won't be able to submit or you got to learn and you got to be one of the most educated people out there because you've got to teach the next generation. (laughs) And it's like, I am a person, not just a vessel. Mm. I am not just a vessel for my submission to my husband and I'm not just a vessel of teaching for my children. I'm Mm. also an individual who was created for God's glory to glorify and enjoy him forever and my enjoyment mm. of him matters. Do you think that, um, I guess this lie that uh, women don't need theology or the theology is a male sport reserved from, reserved for those who have testosterone in their bodies, that like it has led to a kind of ins- insecurity 
in women where when they read, sometimes the reading might be shallow, not because they don't want to go deep, but they're afraid that they don't have the potential to understand if they do. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I think absolutely. I mean, the reality is there there is a language to theology. Mm -hmm. And so when you get into some of these theology books and they're using words like eschatology and they're talking about these, you know, phrases that we don't know what they mean Mm -hmm. i think sometimes we as women just back up and say oh i can't do that Mm -hmm. whereas instead just say what does that mean right can you tell me what eschatology means like what what are you talking about you're a woman math teacher yes so you've seen it in more places than just theology it's actually it's actually because math is a language. Mm-hmm. And so it was having studied that, I realized a lot of times my students couldn't do the problem because they didn't understand the words in the question. Mm-hmm. So when you say, find the derivative of this, they're like, well, what's a derivative? Right. And you're like, okay, we have a language problem, not actually an ability problem. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of times with theology, we have a language problem, mm-hmm. not an intelligence problem. You know, because when you just say, well, eschatology just means the end times, then you're like, oh, huh. oh, okay. okay. Yeah. You know, but so being willing to ask questions and being willing to learn and study, I mean, God is the study of all eternity. So this is what we're going to spend our eternity on. So it's good to go ahead and get started. It is. Yeah, it and, is. And, and just because we are women, uh, that doesn't keep the Holy Spirit from illuminating things for us, Right. Uh, if you're a believer, male or female, if the Holy Spirit is in you, he is the greatest teacher mm-hmm. <laughs> of the text that he inspired. Yeah. Um, and so I think as long as you have him and trust him uh, to reveal and to help and to guide and ask him questions of the text as you travel through it, then you really do have, uh, I think, the ability to be confident mm-hmm. in your uh yeah, in your study of the scriptures to know God and to study God and to go as deep as you never thought you would go. Mm-hmm. And his love should be the thing that's fueling us. Mm-hmm. So the more that I learn about the gospel of Christ, if God says that I'm supposed to be submitting to my husband, and that's what I see with my own eyes in the text, yeah, I'm not going to try to be getting out of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If like, God says, this is what I should be teaching my children, and that's what I see in the text, right. I don't want to get out of that. Mm-hmm. I think so many times people see women looking at theology as like a way to try to like work their way out of doing the things that women are supposed to be doing. But it's like, if that's, if, if the things that women are quote unquote supposed to be doing are in the text, I'm going to obey the text. Yeah, That's right. It actually grounds me. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm actually, Fuels me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the very thing that this is my foundation. This mm-hmm. is why I have to do it because the text says it and I understand the context around it. Yep. All of those things actually make me more believe mm-hmm. the truth that, that rather than it being an outside source it's from the internal i'm like oh Absolutely. yeah I see it in the text like, and, right and i believe it yeah. i also think sometimes we as women don't study theology because men who often study it do it for a job mm, that's true and so i think one maybe hopeful thing we can say is no all christians should be doing this because mm-hmm. i'll say there are a lot of laymen in the church mm-hmm. who know a lot more about football than they know about theology mm-hmm. and so i think part of it is all of us as christians getting past oh you only do that if you are going to be a professional mm-hmm. right and no some people do do it professionally to bless the church mm-hmm. But we should all be wanting to study God. For yeah. sure. Like that's a that's a good thing. Yeah, we were created for him. One image uh 
in my brain as we talk is uh, the situation with Mary, Mar- Mary and Martha um, in Luke 10, when uh, Jesus, he was sitting uh, in Martha's home and Mary, her sister, uh, was sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to his teaching. She was learning some good theology <laughs> right from the mouth of Jesus. God. And uh, when, you know, her sister feels some type of way that she's not cleaning up the red cups and putting up the, uh, what do you call it, charcuterie? What, how do you pronounce that thing? Charcuterie. Charcu- the little Ooh. meat and cheese plates with, with olives. When she was feeling some type of way, uh, Jesus responds and says that Mar- Mary has chosen mm. the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. I think when that ta- that text is taught, a lot of times we lean more into um, Martha's anxiety, which is a part of the passage. But I also think that another part of the passage is that you see a woman learning at the feet of Jesus and Jesus saying, I am not going to take this opportunity away from her. And so that's just a beautiful image. I think to think about in this conversation that Jesus himself wants us to learn about God. And he took the time to teach women. Yes. It's a beautiful thing. And he will not take it away from us. That's right. It's a great image for us to close on honestly, because all of these lies, every last one that we can think of, that's the answer. To choose, to choose the better portion and to sit at the feet of Jesus by reading his word and learning how to combat the lies. Mm. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks so much for joining us for season two. Um, we've talked about a lot of different things we have. This, mm-hmm. this season. It's hopefully, been a party. Yeah, hopefully. Um, I think what we all hope more than anything that we do, just what Jasmine was saying, we delve into God's word. We hope that you'll get some friends and sit around a table and talk about some of these things. Mm-hmm. But the last thing we're going to talk about are our favorite things. And so the question that I'm going to ask this week is over the past year or so, what's been a fun thing you've been watching on TV or Netflix or however you get your Maybe it's bad to say Netflix these days. Um, however you watch the shows that you watch. Um, what's, a, what's something fun you've been watching? Call the Midwife season nine. <laughs> what is that, Jasmine? It's a show about midwives and every episode has at least two births. <laughs> She's giggling like a teenager in love over there. Okay. <laughs> it's so good. I love that's, it. That's awesome. Um... Earlier this year, I got into, I said it on another episode, but I got into The Crown. And that's because yeah. I just start, I just started getting into all these documentaries about the Windsors and uh, Queen Elizabeth and the other people. And so it's just been, I don't know, it's just a cool little interesting little show because their dynamic, their world as royals yeah. is so different yeah (laughs) and not even just royals but europeans like they don't even just they don't even function like we do you know Mm -hmm. they drink tea all the time they (laughs) eat baked beans for breakfast it's just a it's just yeah it was an interesting little thing i think the one that i probably look back on as the most interesting um we watched chernobyl it's a it was a docudrama so it's it's not exactly historical Mm -hmm. but it's based on the events um, that happened in Chernobyl and I had spent a summer in the Ukraine really I didn't realize how close it was to when Chernobyl happened it was probably five or six years after it had happened and so it was just fascinating 
to study a culture. I mean, the communist system is so different than the American system. Yeah. And to look at what happened um, when a tragedy occurred and the cover up and all of that. Mm. So it was it was really well done. And um, I just like looking. I like learning about history mm-hmm. through docudramas or on TV. I just think it's really interesting. So highly recommend it. I agree. Well, thank you, all of you, wherever you are, in your car, on a train, on a plane, washing dishes, washing your feet, washing your house. I don't know. Cooking. Uh, what do people eat now? Uh, banana bread. That's a stereotype. But you might be making it. Whatever you're doing. Thank you for joining us for this season of Let's Talk. If you find yourself needing something to listen to while we are gone and absent, uh, God is always talking. So you can go to him or you can check out the other shows from the Gospel Coalition Podcast Network at tgc.org forward slash podcast. If you so happen uh, to want to help TGC produce more resources like this one, head over to tgc.org forward slash give to make a donation. The Gospel Coalition supports the church and making disciples of all nations by providing resources that are trusted and timely, winsome and wise, and centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ.